I trust that as we just sang, trusting Jesus, that is all. Did we believe those words? And as Eric even encouraged us already this morning, saying God is good, we believe that God is indeed good at all times, in all things, in all that he does. I hope that is the desire of our heart this morning, to set our minds on the Lord Jesus Christ and all that he has done. Let's open with a word of prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Father God, that your word is sufficient. We thank you, Father God, for the richness that we have in your Son, Jesus Christ, and that we get to know him each day. Thank you for the power of your word. I pray, Father God, that this morning you would encourage our hearts, set our minds on you, and be reminded, Father God, of who we are in your Son, Jesus For it's in his name we pray. Amen. How many of you enjoy a good mystery? I enjoy a good mystery. You know I like books. Books are fun to read. But there's also television shows and movies, whether that be Sherlock Holmes or other famous writing. Mysteries are fun because there's something about the mystery, purposely, that is supposed to keep us in suspense. It's not fun to jump ahead and watch the end of a show or to take a mystery novel, if a book is roughly three to 400 pages, to skip ahead from the beginning and go right to the end to see how it all turns out actually ruins the story. Maybe some of us like to cheat and do that anyway. But in the process, if you skip from the beginning right to the end and find out the mystery and how it all comes together, the rest of the experience in between the other 300 pages are not so much as enjoyable. Because we know what happens. It doesn't keep us in suspense as much. There's something quite thrilling about that suspense. But then when it comes to life, we don't like to be in suspense. We like to be in control. We like to know what's going to happen next. We don't want to be caught off guard. We don't want to be surprised by anything. We would love to know each answer of what each day is going to bring. But God in his infinite wisdom and his grace provides us the grace for each day. And what we need. We don't need all the answers because if we did, we would probably spend most of our time worrying instead of trusting. We walk through each day trusting instead. But unlike a good mystery novel, we know the end of the story. We know, as written 2,000 years ago, what life is going to turn out. We don't know the day in and day out of things. But if we didn't know the end of what the Bible tells us, how much hope would we go through would we have going through life because we know what christ has accomplished and what he has done for us we can go confidently each day trusting jesus that he's the one in control without without him we are nothing apart from him we can do nothing jesus told his followers in john chapter 8 we know the outcome because that gives us hope for each day to rise each day and what each day will bring Across our paths. God knows what his people need. If God left it up as a mystery and said, no, I, say, I came, I saved you. Now you're just going to have to wait and see how it all comes together. Will I come back? Oh, you're going to have to wait and see. Is the devil going to be defeated in the last days? Well, you'll have to wait and see. What anxiety would we have throughout the Christian life? Probably more than we care to admit. 
But we know the end so we can go confidently before the Lord, knowing he's the one in control. Our text today is found in Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 3, beginning in verse 1. We'll be looking at Ephesians 3, 1 through 13 this morning. We want to be reminded this morning, the title of the message is The Gospel for God's People. The Gospel for God's People. God's power is at work in God's people. God's people, that is, the church, the saints, us who have believed by faith, God's people is the church, is the place where God's power is evident for us to see that God is the one at work in ways that we can't even begin to fathom. And yet each day we can come before him and worship and praise and trust him. Go to his word and see the richness of his wisdom and his power. The gospel is the power of God for salvation for all who believe. Romans chapter 1 verse 16 tells us this, For I am not ashamed of the gospel. For it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. That's the Apostle Paul's words. I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, both Jew and Greek. The gospel is God's power. I want us to consider two points this morning as we look at our text in Ephesians chapter 3. Point number one, the gospel is is what makes us members of the body. The gospel is what makes us members of the body of Christ, that is, the church. We read in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 1, Paul writes, For this reason I, Paul, a prisoner for Christ Jesus, on behalf of you Gentiles, assuming that you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me for you, how the mystery was made known to me by revelation, as I have written briefly, when you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to the sons of men in other generations, as it, is now, as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. This mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. The gospel is what makes us members of the body of Christ. God had a plan throughout time for his people, both Jew and Gentile. For many years, his plan or mystery was not revealed to his people, the Jews. But after Christ came and died and brought salvation for all who have believed, because he has been raised from the dead, by grace through faith, God's plan, that mystery, is now made known. Paul is a prisoner, he writes in verse 1, for I, Paul, a prisoner for Christ Jesus. We know elsewhere from Scripture that at this point in Paul's life, he is in a Roman prison for the defense of the gospel, the book of Acts tells us. The books of Ephesians, Philippians, and Colossians, and Philemon were written during this time in prison. Paul was not worried for he knew God was in control. Paul lived each day knowing that he had been bought with a price. Paul knew who he was before the Lord and what price had been paid for him. He even assures his, his audience in our text, verse 13, 
He says, I ask you not to lose heart over what I am suffering for you, for which is your glory. Don't lose heart. I know where I am. I know who I am in Christ Jesus. Don't lose heart. I'm a prisoner for Jesus Christ on behalf of you Gentiles, you who have believed by faith. God's power was used through Paul so mightily and such in the early church that Paul was imprisoned for it because God was doing such a work. I often wonder what it would be like to go through those early days in the church to see God's Holy Spirit, his power of the gospel, transforming so many lives. So much so that it turned the world upside down and so much so that so many adversaries, starting with Satan and those who are his followers, accused so many and threw so many in prison, of which Paul was one. And yet he had confidence in the Lord that he knew what he was doing. So Paul says, I want to remind you something. Verse 2, assuming that you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me for you. Paul says, I want to remind you of what God is doing. I want to remind you of what God has done and how he has used me as a steward. God has entrusted me with a message. That is the message of the gospel. It is to you, Gentiles. That is Paul's audience in the church in Ephesus. Gentiles who have believed by faith because Paul was the apostle to the Gentiles. We learn in Acts chapter 13. In the grace of God and in his infinite wisdom and timing, Though Paul was formerly a persecutor and a blasphemer of God's church, God gave him a stewardship. That is the, to carry the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ into the world. In verse 3 we read this, How the mystery was made known to me by revelation as I have written briefly. Paul, as an apostle of Jesus Christ, was entrusted with the stewardship, the message of the gospel by the Lord Jesus Christ. After the apostle Paul was converted on the Damascus Road in Acts chapter uh, 9, he spent time with the other apostles, but for a time he disappeared into the wilderness. About three years of Paul's life, from his conversion to the time he became a missionary to the Gentiles, we really don't know what happened except that God was preparing him. God was preparing him to be that steward of the gospel. So he carried it out as God saw fit. Although in the Old Testament, throughout history, God has made a way for his people. He promised from Genesis 3.15 that the Messiah would come and crush the head of the serpent all the way through Moses and the prophets There's going to come a Redeemer. There's going to come a Messiah. But they didn't know how it was all going to fit together just yet. We're learning about that with Pastor Ron right now in Hebrews chapter 11. By faith, these people lived. By faith, they trusted. They did not see the outcome. They did not know what was going to happen. And many died. They died without knowing. And yet they trusted God throughout the whole process. God was making a way. And yet... In his infinite wisdom and in his sovereign plan, in the fullness of time, Galatians tells us, Christ sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law. The mystery was made known to me by revelation, as I have written briefly. Paul wants to encourage them with these words. God, who spoke to his prophets in former times, 
of a plan of redemption now God has made known. Turn with me, if you would, to the book of Hebrews, a book we're very familiar with, but Hebrews chapter 1, by way of reminder. Hebrews chapter 1. As the author of Hebrews so reminds us, Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. That's what the Apostle Paul is reminding them of. God had a mystery. God spoke in former times. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. The mystery that was once hidden has now been revealed through the apostles, through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the grave. He has come to make a way for us. That mystery has been revealed. Verses 4 and 5 tell us this. When you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ. When you read these words I'm about to share with you, Paul writes, this message of the gospel, the hope of salvation, that we have been by grace through faith bought again. It is not of your own doing. It is the work of God so that no one can boast. Ephesians 2, 8 to 9. Paul says, I want to remind you, I want you to see how God has brought all this together, the mystery of Christ. It was a mystery, but now it is made known. God's timing is not our timing. The people of, in Israel, God's people, were for so long waiting for a Messiah. And so much time had passed that they started to trust their own human wisdom, their own preconceived ideas, the Pharisees leading the people with heavy burdens as such, that even when Christ finally came, the Messiah walked this earth, they didn't like him very much. They didn't like his message. They didn't like the way he was doing things. And so they put him to death, even the death of the cross. And God in his infinite wisdom raised Christ from the dead. Plan before time began to redeem his people. And what's so fascinating is God, as God sets his plan in motion, when Jesus Christ rises from the dead, he commissions his disciples and said, I am with you always to the end of the age. Go, go preach the gospel. And they do. And many come to faith. Many come to faith. And God builds his church through the power of the gospel as only God can do. The apostles probably were shaking their head wondering, as those three days that Christ was in the grave, what's going on? This is not how we saw this going. And as Christ rises from the grave and sends them to preach the powerful message of the gospel, look at the transforming work that takes place in God's people, the mystery of Christ. Verse 5 tells us, which was not made known to the sons of men in other generations, as we've already seen. It has, has now been revealed to his holy apostles by the prophets and prophets by the Spirit. The Holy Spirit's at work calling to mind all that he has taught them, all that he has reminded them of. Verse 6. This is the answer. A mystery novel, it's no fun to jump to the end and figure out how it all comes together without reading everything in between. But Paul jumps ahead for us. This is what makes it so much better. You don't have to go through life wondering. You don't have to go through life scratching your head. How's it all going to fit together? In former generations, they had, but now, verse 6, this mystery is what? That the Gentiles 
our fellow heirs. The Gentiles, our fellow heirs. Members of the body of Christ, the church, partakers of the same gospel. Not Jews only, not Jews only, but Gentiles. We think of Peter in Acts chapter 10. Along with the other disciples, he, is, he has taken the gospel to the Jews. And one day there's a man, a Roman, a Gentile named Cornelius. Cornelius receives a message from the Lord. He says, send for Peter. And Peter has to work through his own issues as God sends down a sheet from heaven. Take Peter, kill and eat. Lord, I never will touch things that are unclean. And God, in his wisdom, takes Peter and says, I'm preparing you for something. Go. There's some men here. Go with them. Go to Cornelius. And as Peter has to wrestle through this idea that I'm going to the Gentiles, we do not associate with these people. God brought the message to us, his people. And what happens? Peter arrives. He hears the testimony of Cornelius. And Peter knows without a doubt the Holy Spirit is among them. God is doing a work. The Gentiles are a part of God's people, the covenant promise of God through Abraham. He preaches. They are baptized. They believe. Peter returns back to the Jews and gives a report. And what is he met with? Some hostility, skepticism. Peter, how could you go to the Gentiles? We don't do that. And then they, receive, then they hear Peter's testimony of all that God had did, and they are amazed. And then Satan went to work. Because then God, sorry, because then Satan started to deceive God's people. Which is why Apostle Paul had to write the book of Galatians. Preaching a different gospel, adding to the gospel. You Gentiles, you want to be saved, first become Jews. And Paul says, no. That's not how it works. It's by grace through faith alone. This is the mystery. Gentiles are part of fellow heirs, members of the same body, and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. The gospel is the power of God. The gospel is what makes us part of the body that is in Christ Jesus. So he encourages the leaders. Peter does. And then Paul becomes the apostle to the Gentiles in Acts chapter 13. This gospel is good news for us. The gospel is what makes us, first, one with Christ. And secondly, united or one with his church, the body of Christ. This is good news for us. Because here in northwest Indiana, we are all Gentiles. And we have received the mystery that has been revealed the message of the gospel. We who have been saved by faith are one in Jesus Christ. We are part of his body, the church, where the power of God is at work through the gospel. This gives us hope. This gives us wisdom. This gives us grace for each new day and the trials and the difficulties that come. Christ has made a way. We are fellow heirs, members of the same body, and partakers of the promise, the promise that was given in former times, God has made through his son, Jesus Christ, through, as the text tells us, verse 6, the gospel, 
the good news of Jesus Christ. We have days of doubts. We have days where we worry and fret and try to control things in our own strength, and it never goes well. As I reflect on this text, text, I ask myself, why do I have days of doubt about God's goodness and his perfect plan? Why? Because I forget so easily all that Christ has done and is doing in me each day. I let myself become worried and fret over the cares of life, over the sickness of my failing body, over the cares and distractions of the what-ifs and the unknowns. And yet I need to be reminded of what Christ is, who Christ is and what he has done, how he has called me to be one of his own as such for each of us who have received him by faith. I forget about him when I focus on myself. But I need to remember who I am in Jesus Christ, and that is I am a member of the body of Christ. I am a son of God, a joint heir with Jesus Christ. Members of the household of God, that is you, and you with me, partaking together of the promise through Jesus Christ, through the gospel. When we set our minds, our thoughts, our focuses on ourselves, yes, we quickly forget who Christ is, what he's done, and the cares of life overwhelm us very quickly. But when we remember who we are in Christ, and apart from him, we can do nothing. And the hope that we have in him, that sets our minds on its proper place, to look to him each day for wisdom, for strength. We need to live each day in the promise of the gospel. We need to live each day as members of Jesus Christ. We need to live each day knowing that we are part of the body of Christ. So the gospel is the power for us, how we become members of the body. Point number two this morning, the gospel is what grows the body. The gospel is what grows the body, or the gospel is what grows the church of Jesus Christ. Verses 7 through 13 We read these words. Of this gospel I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given to me by the working of his power. To me, though I am very very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things. So that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was according to the eternal purpose that he has realized in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. So I ask you not to lose heart over what I am suffering for you, which is your glory. The gospel is what grows the church. The gospel is God's power at work. For salvation. God had a plan through his ages. It was a mystery for a time. But when Christ Jesus rose from the dead and brought us life, that plan was fulfilled. The plan was the message of the gospel, the unsearchable riches of Christ. For all who believe, for the building up and the edification of the church, the place where God's people learn the wisdom of God that is found 
in Jesus Christ. Paul writes, verse 7, of this gospel, I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace. Paul knew the grace of God was at work. Paul had much time to reflect on who he was, formerly a blasphemer, formerly a persecutor. And he thought he was doing God a service. And when he was radically transformed and all that God had done through him in those years that brought him to this place where he was in prison, he could look back and and reflect as he writes to the church at Ephesus, I'm remembering who I am in Jesus Christ. I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace. It is God's grace alone. He said that in the beginning, verse 2. Assuming that you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace. I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace. God's grace was at work. And it's by grace through faith that we are saved. Ephesians 2.8 God's gracious work was at Paul as he called him to be an apostle to the Gentiles. God was making a way for sin through his son Jesus Christ, through his grace, through his wisdom, that we cannot save ourselves. It is by grace as a gift of God. God is building his church through sinners who've been bought with the blood of Jesus Christ who are now saved. It is grace and grace alone that God has done all this. God is the one at work by his grace. And what does grace mean? What's a wonderful definition? We can break down the word. God's Riches at Christ's expense. God made a way through his son, Jesus Christ. And now by grace, through faith, we are saved. And it is God's grace at work in calling the apostle Paul. It is God's grace at work in his church, building it to follow Jesus Christ. It is God's grace that we are here this morning, that we rose up with breath in our lungs, that we can praise him and worship him. Come and gather together and watch the Lord do an amazing work among us as a body of Christ. It is God's grace and his grace alone for each day, for each trial, for his power that is at work. So Paul says, according to the gift of God's grace, which was given to me by the working of his power, God's power is at work. Then Paul writes in verse 8, to me, though I'm the very least of the saints, To me, though, I am the very least of the saints. Paul says, who am I? Who am I? I was a persecutor. I was a blasphemer. Look at Peter. Look at John. Look at Matthew. Look at James. Look at what they have done. And who am I? And yet God and his grace has entrusted to me the mystery of the gospel, a stewardship to go to God's people, to go to you Gentiles and let you know, hey, You have a hope, and that is found in Jesus Christ. You are joint heirs, sons and daughters of God. This promise is for you as well. Later, after Paul was released from prison, after the writing of Ephesians and Philippians, Paul was free for a time. We don't know for exactly how long. Most speculate only roughly about two years. But it's in those two years that he wrote another letter. That letter was the book of 1 Timothy. Turn with me there if you would. 1 Timothy chapter 1. As Paul reflects some more on the gracious work of God in his life. 
1 Timothy chapter 1, verses 12 through 15. As Paul is writing to Timothy and encouraging him in his work, and what is so fascinating, we're looking at Ephesians, that Timothy was ministering to the church at Ephesus much later on. But as Paul reflects on what God has done in him by grace, he encourages Timothy with these words, 1 Timothy 12, one, chapter 1, verse 12. I thank him, Paul writes, that is God, I thank him who has given me strength, Christ Jesus our Lord, because he judged me faithful, appointing me to his service. Though I was formerly a blasphemer, a persecutor, and an insolent opponent, but I received mercy because I acted ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord overflowed for me with faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. The saying is trustworthy and deserving full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the foremost. Paul knew his place. Paul knew where to set his mind. Paul knew who he was without Christ. And now Paul knew who he was with Christ. Once a sinner, persecutor, blasphemer, very insolent man, but God's mercy poured out, God's grace at work, judged me faithful, appointed me to his service, made a way for me to serve him, gave me opportunity to minister to God's people, to build up his church, through the power of the gospel. God didn't need the Apostle Paul, but God chose the Apostle Paul. God doesn't need us. The gospel does not rise or fall on our success, how boldly we speak. If we're going to fall away, there's others who are going to become obedient. But as such, we would miss out on the glorious riches of Christ seeing how God is at work among his people, but rather to submit our lives to him and say, Lord, I am a sinner. Be merciful to me. To walk each day in the newness of life, putting death the deeds of the body, trusting Jesus Christ as Lord of all, submitting ourselves to him and watch him do a work in his people. Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 8, though I'm the very least of the saints, this grace was given to me. What grace? That is to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. To preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. Think about that for a moment. The unsearchable riches of Christ. That some individuals have the pride to go through life and say, Yeah, I know about Jesus, but he doesn't do much for me. I know about Jesus, but I could probably get there my own way. Jesus Christ is a way. I'll find my own way. I don't need him. I have my own strength. I have my own wisdom. I have my own abilities. I don't need to depend on some kind of deity to see me through the day. I'm sufficient of myself. I have all I need. And Paul writes, I was given by the grace of God the opportunity to preach. And what do I get to preach? I get to preach this, the unsearchable riches of Christ. The fact is, we will never exhaust 
Jesus Christ. He is God. The second person of the Godhead, the Trinity. Sharing all the same attributes as his Father. All sovereign, all powerful, all knowing, all wise. Never giving up, never giving in, never getting discouraged. He says to his apostles when he rises from the dead, I am with you always to the end of the age. I'm going to prepare a place for you, and I'm going to come back for you. Until that time, this is how you are to live. The unsearchable riches of Christ. We know we will never exhaust Jesus Christ because he is God. What is true of God, the Father is true of Jesus Christ. Let's be reminded of that very briefly. Turn with me to Psalms, the book of Psalms. Psalm 147. Psalm 147. Near the end of the book of Psalms, the last few Psalms are all about praise and worship for who God is. What is true of God the Father is true of Jesus Christ. And this is what we read about God the Father. Psalm 147, verse 5, we read these words. Great is our Lord and abundant in power. His understanding is beyond measure. Great is the Lord, abundant in power. His understanding is beyond measure. Meaning what? God is infinitely wisdom, more wisdom and more powerful than we can ever comprehend. One of my favorite quotes I've shared with you before during Sunday school various times. I read it through an old Puritan devotional that says these words. I marvel that the finite, that is me, the created being, I marvel that the finite can know the infinite. That God has given us his word so that we can know him. What is true of God is true in Jesus Christ. He is God. And then we go to the New Testament, Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1, we read more about the wisdom of God in his son, Jesus Christ. Colossians chapter 1, verse 15. He, that is Jesus, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Jesus Christ is the creator. From him, through him, for him, and held all together in him. The unsearchable riches of Christ. All things are held together in Jesus. One more passage. Romans chapter 11. Romans chapter 11. As the Apostle Paul is expounding on the gospel to the Jews and the Gentiles in the church in Rome of God's plan through the ages, of God how, of how God was redeeming his people, and even some, through some of the most controversial passages of Romans 9, 10, and 11. We come to the end of chapter 11, and Paul has a praise about God. Verse 33. Paul writes, Oh, the depths of the riches and the wisdom and the knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and how inscrutable his ways. Paul says, 
I can spend my whole life learning about God. And it is rich and it is wise and there's nothing like it. Paul says this is true of Christ Jesus, verse 8. What was given to me was to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. Ephesians 3, 8. Paul says, I get to live my life telling other people about Jesus Christ. And guess what? I'm never going to run out of things to talk about with him. I'm never going to run out of things to say because his grace is sufficient for each day. His word is sufficient for everything in life that we will encounter. It will never run out. It will never get old. Two things that abide forever, Scripture tells us, the word of God and the souls of men, that we'll get all eternity to be with Jesus Christ and learn more about him. And we have his word here with us already to go to him and trust him for each day. That is the power of the gospel, that he's at work. Sadly, many people fall away. Sadly, many churches have to close their doors. But guess what? God's still at work. Churches are always opening up their doors as new churches are planted. More people are coming to faith each and every day. Some people, we might even scratch our head and say, I never thought that person would trust. And then God does an amazing work through them beyond what we can even imagine. God is the one at work. That is the power of the gospel that builds his church. Paul goes on to say, verse 9, And to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things, so that through the church the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. God is the created is the one who has created all things. Verse 9 tells us, God who created all things, made all things, purposes all things, and holds all things together through his son Jesus Christ. In his wisdom is building his church, God's people through Jesus Christ, whom Christ is the head. And the power of God is displayed It cannot be stopped. It cannot be diminished. He tells us there in verse 10 that the wisdom of God might be known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. Rulers and authorities. Paul says in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12, he clarifies that even more for us. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers of this present age and darkness against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. He reminds them, remember the power of God that is at work among you because there are other powers at work. And guess what? Those powers do not compare. There are powers of a heavenly, of a heavenly force in the spirit of darkness, fallen angels, Satan and his demons. Yes, they're at work. Yes, they have some power, but it is so Limited, it cannot compare to the power of God. Satan is at work. Satan is trying to corrupt his people. God's people lead them astray, destroy the church of Jesus Christ. But God's power is at work. God even says so much so through the Apostle Paul. Verse 10, so that through the church, so that through the church, the body of Christ, God's people united together, coming to learn about Jesus Christ and his power and his work among them. 
It is in God's church the wisdom of God might be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. When Jesus was with his disciples on the road to Caesarea Philippi, and he says to his disciples, who do you say that I am? Who do the people say that I am? They say, well, some say you're Elijah or John the Baptist or another prophet. And then he says to Peter and the others, who do you say that I am? Peter says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answers and says, this is right. God has revealed this to you. And on this confession that I am Christ, the son of the living God, I will build my church. And what? The gates of hell shall not prevail against it. It cannot be stopped. You cannot stop God's people when the power of the gospel is at work among them. That's how God builds his church. Verse 11 tells us this. This was according to the eternal purpose that he has realized in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. Paul says, you want boldness? You want confidence? Remember the wisdom of God. Remember the power of the gospel. This is how you can approach the throne of grace. This is how you can go before God. Nothing will ever surprise God. Nothing will ever catch him off guard. For he is saving his people and he is sovereignly in control of all things. And he is working through his son, Jesus Christ, the head of the church. And now in him, we have boldness and access and confidence through faith. We know we have what we have in Christ is by the power of the gospel. We have these two things, boldness to come before God, cry out to him, knowing he's at work. And we have confidence by faith that we can come before him in prayer, come before him in the power of his word and said, Lord, it's not in me, in my own strength. In my own wisdom, I will always fail, but it's in through your son, Jesus Christ, I can come before you, depend entirely upon you, knowing you're the one at work. Paul didn't worry. Verse 13 tells us. Paul did not worry. So I ask you not to lose heart over what I'm suffering. I'm in prison. Don't lose heart. I'm here for the defense and confirmation of the gospel. Don't lose heart. This is for your glory. I am here in prison so that you can see that God is still at work. The church does not rise and fall on the Apostle Paul. It does not rise and fall on pastors. It is held together by Jesus Christ and us who have been placed in him by faith for salvation. We are members of the household of God, joint heirs with Christ, members of the body of Christ, and God goes to work building his church. Paul didn't worry, so why should we? So many times I feel like I am the very least of the saints, Paul writes in our text, that I am worthless for ministry and doomed to fail. That's how we can put it in our own terms. As I read the scripture each day, I need it. I need this reminder because of God's goodness and God's faithfulness that I am a servant of Jesus Christ and with him he is at work in my own strength in my own wisdom I will always fail but it is God's wisdom that he has given to me 
that I have the opportunity to serve him, and that is true for each one of us in Jesus Christ. As sons and daughters of God, as joint heirs with Christ, now we are disciples of Jesus Christ. We are servants of his, and we get to be ministers of his gospel. We get to search each day the unsearchable riches of Christ and those riches. To know him more through his word, through the preaching of his word. And we get to serve one another, meet the needs of fellow saints of the household of God. To put our arms around those who are struggling, to pray for those who are suffering, to serve those in need. When we focus on ourselves, we think, how can God use me? When we focus on Christ, all of a sudden it's not about us. It's about what he can do through us. In my own strength, I will always fail. That is true for each of us. But through Jesus Christ, as part of his church, that's where we will succeed because of the power of the gospel at work. It is all on his faithfulness and his plan that he is able to see it through. And this gives us reason to praise. This gives us reason to proclaim. This gives us reason to rejoice in the power of the gospel, to have confidence in Christ Jesus. Without him, we are nothing. With him, we have all that we need. God is the one who is at work in his church. And he's the one who is at work in us through his son, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit, who have believed. When doubts arise, remember who Christ is and what he has done. When you're at a loss, worried and fretful, anxious about life, remember the unsearchable riches of Christ and what this means for us. Run to Jesus. Cry out to him. Say, Lord, as the psalmist says, open my eyes that I may behold wondrous things from your law, from your word, because I'm at a loss. I don't know what to do, so I need your word and how great it is. When you feel weak, as if you can't go on, remember it is through Jesus Christ that we have a confident boldness to go before the Lord, cry out to him and say, Lord, I need you. And we need to remember that Christ is the one interceding for us before the Father. Know that God will use us. God will use his church because he's the one growing it through the power of the gospel. My human wisdom, our human wisdom, our knowledge, our feeling of superior will always fail. But in faith through Jesus Christ, I can have the wisdom of God. I can proclaim the unsearchable riches of Christ with God's people amongst ourselves. It is not about me. It is not about us. It is always about him and the fact that he has chosen us, redeemed us, and we have placed our faith in him alone for salvation by grace through faith. This should cause us to walk each day in humility and in praise and in worship, knowing apart from Christ, I can do nothing. And he has given me far more than I ever deserve. He has given us far more than we ever deserve, and that is grace. The message of the gospel, salvation by faith through Jesus Christ. And it is that power of God that he has given. It is that power of God that is growing his church. It is that power does that work among us who believe? Do we believe it? Do we sing, trust, and obey, and mean it? Do we say God is good all the time and believe it and live it? 
do we know and believe that God is at work among us? Because he is. But so many times we get caught up in ourselves and we don't act like it. And before we know it, we're discouraged and we forget who we are. We are sons and daughters of God, joint heirs with Christ. And the gospel of God is going forth and he is building his church and the gates of hell are not prevailing against it. This is the message of the gospel. This is the power of God at work, the gospel for God's people. Let's close in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word this morning. Father God, we thank you that it is your word that is our final authority. We thank you that it is your word that is sufficient for each day. Father God, we thank you that your grace is sufficient, that we never have to earn salvation. It is only through your Son, Jesus Christ, who has paid the ultimate price for us. Father God, that we can come before you. Help us to remember each day, Father God, through the trials and the difficulties and the hardships of life, that you're the one at work among us. Father God, I pray this morning for anyone here who is discouraged, who is struggling, who is fretful and worrying about so much of the cares of life. Father God, that they would run to you, repent of sin, cry out to you for strength and help, and be reminded of how rich Jesus Christ is, how unsearchable he is, as an infinite, all-wise, knowing God, that we can learn about him each day. Father God, for those in here who may not know you, who are trusting in their own strength and own wisdom, who think that just showing up to a church on a Sunday morning, hearing a message and going home has no effect, or that's all that they need. Father God, I pray that you'd work in their hearts, convict them and bring them to salvation. Father God, that they would be able to experience the unsearchable riches of Christ. To know that life with him is so sweet and the life without him is so empty. Do a work in us, we pray. Do a work in this body of Christ, we ask. And all these things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.